Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 142. Today we are talking about Hot Topics Part 2. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the teaching week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations for our favorite things we are enjoying in or out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And it's time for our highs and or lows. Um, but before we get into that, just wanted to give a little reminder or you know notification of Carrie and I are going to be doing a virtual coffee chat uh, for Conk, the Kodai Educators of North Carolina. And we would love for you to join us. It is a virtual via Zoom event that is happening on Thursday, September 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Yeah. And uh, if you go to the Kodai Educators of North Carolina page, um, you can get all the details there on how to join. It's only a $5 registration fee. It should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I guess I have to like look presentable for that, huh? <laughs> you can always blur your background on your Zoom. That's <laughs> what I'll get to do. Blur, blur oh, but you mean like things. myself, myself looking presentable? Yeah, no, me looking presentable. Yeah, because it'll be like after a day of teaching and real right. world. <laughs> you know, a lot of other people doing podcasts do a um, uh, YouTube of them doing the podcast. Yeah, I don't. I don't we've see talked about for that. us to do that, Tanya. I mean, no I, you know, I've, we've mentioned, I've talked to you about that. And uh, I don't know. Uh, does anybody I don't know why people need to see us talking? We're just, we're just talking. I mean, we did the whole like Facebook thing with the puppets because we had we like did. something to show. But I think as long as we're not necessarily showing anything. Anyways, that's just, it's a level of getting prepared to do these recordings that I'm not always willing to <laughs> I guess I'd have to of, not wear my black concert t-shirts and yeah. look presentable. And, right. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Anyway, but we will be presentable. Um, for that. Yeah. For that. Exactly. So <laughs> come, come one, come all. Yay. But beyond that, uh, how was your teaching week? What do you have to share with us, Carrie? Oh, high, well, low. first, I, I kind of have like two highs I want to share. So first oh, high is yeah. um, I have done a couple presentations recently. So I want to give a shout out to Snake, that is Sierra Nevada Association of Kodai Educators for having me out to do a workshop, as well as AKTS, that's Arizona Kodai Teacher Society. Um, so have done a Saturday workshop for both of those chapters recently, and it was um, keep them singing, keep them playing, just a bunch of singing games, especially great for the beginning of the year, tied to literacy activities and composition activities and things like that. So thank you to those two chapters for having me. It was awesome to see everybody there. Um, and then as far as school goes, things are going well. Just kind of sinking into my new rotation schedule that I was, that was my low last time was talking about my rotation schedule and how little I see my kids, but I'm really starting to wrap my head around it a little bit better. And then my other high I just want to mention is I started choir and um, I'm doing choir two days a week because I can, because my personal life schedule allows me to do that. And between my Tuesday rehearsal group 
And my Thursday rehearsal group, I have at this moment 71 kids in choir, which is wow. a lot, um, which makes me thankful I'm doing two different days. But the plus to that is like two part music is going to be a breeze because I'll teach one part to one group and one part to the other group. And then we have a couple of super rehearsals where we'll all rehearse together to get prepared for our December concerts and events. So anyways, choir is trucking along and the kids are excited about it and so am I. So all good things in general going on at school right now. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's a lot of choir kids. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But yeah, I've heard of some teachers having hundreds of kids in choir. I don't know how people oh manage that, but I don't I'm either. happy with the ones that I have and um yeah. We're ready to hit the ground running. So that's great. all that to say, Tanya, how about you? Going high. Okay, going I'm sorry. Low. I guffawed um, in your general direction a little bit ago uh, <laughs> when you said you had a couple of highs because I was like, of course you do. Um, oh. <laughs> no, because this is my second week in a row with a low, and that's fine. Um, it, it's this is, and this is very specifically uh, a pedagogical low. Um, fourth graders, I'm reviewing some things, of course, um, and for whatever, it doesn't matter, various reasons, we did not tea ticka successfully last year. So I thought I can do this in a week because I see kids every day for a week, right? Yeah. I'm like, yes, we can revisit song material. We can get this tea ticka internalized and um, get it known and read and decode and write and all these things. And then on Friday, I did stations with them with T Ticka, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they know it's been presented to them now twice. They know what T Ticka is. They, they've got all of that. But in stations, um, because I have a student teacher, which is wonderful, I was able to observe and roam and help out and as far as decoding goes oh my they do not get it i was shocked oh. so i was using a interactive um get, guess which rhythm was played uh game on powerpoint mm -hmm. that's um actually the one i used uh, is one of alien miracles fantastic uh interactive one where you hear a pattern played and she's got three different keys and three different patterns showing you, you know, did unlock the door? Did you hear this pattern? Did you hear this pattern? And I, I was so amazed in a bad way, like shocked about how they never, like most kids in my room, never went for the correct one. Not only that, they're just guessing. They are just guessing. They, it's so weird. Um, there's, there's one slide where, they, I, and I know, I, they know, I'm like, these are tea ticka stations. Today we're doing tea ticka stations. Oh, we just practiced reading tea ticka from flashcards. Oh, you know, we just sang hi diddle lum come fiddle, right? We just sang songs with tea ticka. It's a tea ticka stations day. And here you are sitting in from the, front of the Mimeo board. You hear this pattern, the three patterns to choose from, and are, they're all four beats. There's only one that has tea ticket in it. What are you going to do? Even if you didn't even, let's say you were just spacing out when you heard the pattern being played, you're going to choose T-T-Ta, T-T-Ta? 
no oh my i'm just like wow baffled i'm baffled like what is it all that to say here is a time gotta back it up back up the train we got to work on decoding. Um, I was listening to them playing patterns in another station. They're not too awesome at that either. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I was very frustrated towards the end of the week, realizing that what I thought they know, they just don't know. They don't know. Yeah. I had a moment like that with, um, I think it was fourth graders. A couple weeks ago, we were doing rhythm review with just like, Ta Titi Rest and Tikka Tikka. Um, and I was doing like a poison pattern type game, but it was like the echoing poison pattern. It was an RL right. one, not a reading right. one. So, you know, I had the poison pattern written on the board, but other than that, they were just echoing rhythms. If they clap the poison pattern, they're out. And round one, I'm saying the rhythms and they say them back. Ta ta tikka tikka ta. Round two, for the students who made it that far, which is most of them, I took away the rhythm language and I'm just clapping right. it. And oh my gosh, it became really, really hard for some of them to decode just yes. but from clapping. And I was shocked at how many of them got out because they didn't recognize the poison pattern when I took the language away. So, so I have a question about that yeah. because I know one of the hard things specifically about T-Ticka or Ticka T is that when you put in Ticka Tickas in there, yeah. that that muddies the waters quite a bit because sure. they hear fast sounds and then they just default to Ticka Ticka. Yeah. Was that part of the problem? Not problem, but part of the um, obstacle is that they were guessing that it was a ticka ticka instead of a tea ticka no i my patterns didn't even have tea tick and ticka tea we haven't learned that. oh i'm sorry i thought you were talking about that specifically no i was just relating to the general idea of i thought that this was going to be a quick review of something that they already knew and it was just going to be a fun game and it was still was a fun game but it was like a really aha moment because it was just ticka ticka rhythms but okay all right when, when i took away the rhythm language they they goofed a lot in the game right um, so all that to say that was like, you know, really good <laughs> formative assessment in a whole group way, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I wasn't taking data of individual kids, but it was like kind of that whole group trend of, wow, I have a lot more work to do where we're doing rhythms without saying the rhythm language <laughs> because exactly. that's becoming too much of a crutch for them, obviously. So yeah, I wonder I if that's you. the same thing for you in the game you were playing because, it didn't have the rhythm language, right? They would just hear like a clicking sound and have to figure out what the rhythm is. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's the same idea. So, well, yeah. I And I think, honestly, I think part of it is apathy. Yeah. I think I do have a handful of kids who they don't even try. They just, you know, and this, this is upsetting because it comes back to this idea of, okay, when kids aren't acting out, are they just complying? Are they engaged? Right. Right. So I have an engagement issue as much as I have a not grasping it because I would have to say uh, 70% of the kids that were struggling, they just didn't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that's unfortunate because stations are usually something that do hook kids in and get kids excited, but something yeah. about that particular activity just wasn't doing it for them, huh? Yeah, I even took one kid aside and I was like, you know, not in a, a whatever, a, not a punishment way, but I was just really curious, like, 
okay, so-and-so, read, can you read the first two beats this turn? And it was T-T-Ta. And um, nope, they could not. I was like, where have you, your fourth grade? Wow. Where have you been? I mean, I've only had him, them, the person, the kid, for a year, but where have you been? Right. They can't read T T T. Uh so yeah. Yeah, I gotta back it up. I gotta get them on board and uh boy I do I, more I, things where the kids are being held accountable with a grade. I don't know if that Yes, I gotta do more things where they're being held held accountable with a grade, which I don't love because boy, that's not as motivating as like just wanting to do it because it's fun or because right. it's part of this song we love or yeah so there's that and then there's the specifics of like the decoding the decoding is something that's really um a little more i think than just seeing and reading it although lots of them can't do that either so anyway all that to say here this you know i i'm 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 planned out for the week i'm planned out for the next couple months i think this is the trajectory and nope they're not there yep i we've all been there but that's what teaching is right you gotta yeah so now it is time for our main theme and we are doing another hot topics uh, yeah. because we had part one um, a few weeks ago and we asked you, dear listeners, what are some hot topics that you are thinking about? So we did get some responses on Facebook and Instagram, as well as we looked back at our Padlets that both Tanya and I have used while we teach levels programs. And that's where this comes from is the ideas. These are just like questions that pop up while we're teaching levels or when we're giving workshops. Um, and they're not always necessarily tied to you know specifically code i inspire teaching although they could be but it's just more like how do you deal with this how do you deal with that and we lovingly call them hot topics so we have a few we're just going to go through and give some thoughts on um starting with uh brett on i think this was a facebook one um asked about balancing the teaching of music literary stuff literacy stuff melodic, rhythmic form, et cetera, and also doing projects such as PBL stuff. PBL could either be project-based learning or problem-based learning. I've had training in both of those. Doesn't mean I do a lot of it, which I guess is the challenge. So I will just dive in and say, I don't do a lot of PBL stuff, and especially this year because of my teaching rotation, how often I see my kids. It's just really gonna be hard to include some of those things. However, I haven't completely given up hope um, (laughs) because there are definitely times where I think this can be woven into the music literacy stuff. So I guess that's kind of my default uh, answer is how can we weave it in? Um, So an example is I've done a project with like fifth graders when I was doing rhythms with T-Ticka and Tikati, as Tanya was just talking about, and they did like a stomp-inspired inspired composition project. To me, that's like a PBL project. Pro- it's a product-based learning type of thing, project-based learning, where they're taking things they know, rhythmic things, and they're 
putting it together into a project by creating a composition and then performing it. So composition, I think, lends itself well to those kind of things. Um, I'll let you go ahead and Tanya, because I've been talking this whole time. <laughs> no, no, I think have? that's, yeah, that's exactly what I would say as well, is that anything that I, and I also have not dived deep into project-based learning. I have done some composition projects um, that like are, are specifically through Soundtrap or GarageBand, um, but, and I do see my kids in a format that would make a lot of sense for project-based learning um, anyway, but I have not really dived. I, I haven't done a huge project like that. And, but I think the key is that it's a an example of using their musical literacy that they already have and putting it into a real world context. Like, yes, I would emphasize that, okay, you know, you know, what tempo is and you know how that affects music and now that you're doing this composition for this specific purpose like one i have coming up for fifth grade is that the fifth graders will create like a not even 30 seconds more like a 15 second um sample of music that could be used for the school online news program so we have a couple of fifth grade kids who are anchors and they talk about the the news for our school that day and every day you know there's an introduction with some visuals and a little snippet of music so the fifth graders are in charge of doing that composing um we would just be pulling in uh we will be i will be pulling in okay let's talk about the things that affect this composition like tempo like dynamics like instrumentation so i think it's just a it's if we're going to be Kodai about it, I would put it that this is a practice of stuff you already know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I have done, you know, occasionally a, a product-based learning or project-based learning thing that wasn't explicitly tied into literacy. I, For example, when I had sixth graders at my past school, um, and especially sixth graders during COVID, when we weren't able to dig into instrumental things like we normally might in sixth grade, I did a video game music project with them where they had to write a storyline of a video game and then create music using Soundtrap. And, you know, the goal was to have different sections of music match the, the style and the theme of the story um, as far as the tonality and the tempo and, you know, all those things, learning how to add sound effects you know so it wasn't tied to literacy specifically it kind of form in a very loose way but really it was just more of the experience of doing it um, just through technology and relating it to you know a real world experience such as being a video game music composer and that was that was right. a really fun project I enjoyed that project um, well Brett talked specifically about balancing and I will yeah. also say this that whenever I've done a project I think the key thing is to have time limits on phases of the project because yep. I've gotten into trouble in the past of letting things go on too long because kids can't get out of for example to take your video game thing you know that they take too long deciding what the game is and you know they get hung up on these things so exactly. I have learned that to balance that I have to say listen Today's the only day you have this much time with uh -huh. your group or your team or your partner. And this is the day that you will do this part, this part, this part. 
And if you haven't done that by the end of this time period, then I'm going to assign you this generic thing. Yep. So I think that's key. Totally. I did that exact thing with the video game thing where it was like day one, I introduced the project and their time, independent work time was coming up with their general story. Who are their characters? What was the general game? How do you win the game? Day two, they did like a storyboard on Jamboard. So they had to have that all mapped out, including planning some ideas of what things were going to sound like, some adjectives to describe the different levels. Day three was getting the music going. Day four was finalizing it, adding sound effects, and then day five was sharing. And yeah, I mean, there are some kids who didn't finish each day's project. And it's very rare in music class that I say this is homework, but I was like, this is homework now. Right, like you, exactly. We're not going to spend more class time on this. And I always felt like I gave them a fair amount of class time. It was either kids who were not super motivated or kids who loved it so much they didn't mind working on it at home and right. really honing it at home which was cool to see too but that is fun yeah and I have had the same thing where I have kids who just like they really want to spend the extra time and so they work on it on their own yeah Um, another thing that helps with that that I'm a fan of with older kids is when necessary and a lot of most of the time it is I assign them their partners or their team um and then within if if it's more than two kids then I also assign specific um, jobs, like, you know, generic jobs, like, uh, or, or I let them assign within their team. Like there's gotta be someone who is the note taker, someone who is, um, the person who posts whatever, like, so that they have some specific roles and they don't just spin their wheels. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, to wrap up this before we move on to the next one, I just want to give a shout out to um, Aileen Miracle. If you don't already know all the wonderful work she does in music education, you should. But specifically about project-based learning, um, Aileen, I know, has done some blog posts and some, and probably a podcast about it. So I'll look for some of her resources and refer you to her because she has done more than me and Tanya, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah. um, in that world. Definitely something I think is important and I'd like to spend more time on, but I'm also just realistic with the time I have with my kids right now and it's yep. just not as high on the priority list but thanks for the question Brett we appreciate it okay and then the next um hot topic is from our dear friend Ginger Littleton who says when you have students who cannot sing certain songs due to religious reasons what do you do I have definitely had this I have had um Jehovah's Witnesses uh mm-hmm. in my classroom um and the Jehovah Witness um, religion, they don't celebrate birthdays, holidays. And the idea behind that is uh, we don't promote one day being more special or, or to celebrate other than any other day. Like every day is sacred. And and, yeah. and yes, so um, when I say we, I don't mean me. I, I am not a Jehovah's Witness, but like that, that's the behind, your idea behind that. Right. That I've had explained to me, which, you know, if that's, that's somebody's belief system and religion, I, first of all, want to make sure that I am respectful of the family, of the students, of the parents, and that I am not just rolling my eyes and, and shrugging and go, well, I guess I'll give them a worksheet. So that's the wrong thing to do. Right. But <laughs> in case you didn't know. Um, the, the idea of 
um, being sensitive to not singling that student out. And it's not always Jehovah's Witness. Maybe there's other religious reasons, of course, but I'm just taking that as an example because that's my experience um, is I try to find that child, um, take a minute to talk to them one-on-one. And depending on what's going on, and I'm thinking specifically about Oh, lots and lots of years ago, doing a Veterans Day performance that I was required to do it at the school that I was at. Um, Mm. And what I did is I talked one-on-one with the student and set them up on a completely different musical assignment. So we were just talking about project-based learning. This would be a time to pull that out and it's an individual study. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. And so that was a way that the student kind of felt like, wow, they have this extra responsibility and and they really enjoyed doing this. And it was still musical. It was still fulfilling things they should be doing in music class. But, you know, I don't like the idea of sticking a book in a kid's hands and just having them sit in the corner while everyone else is singing, you're a grand old flag. That feels wrong and singling out me i wouldn't like that um even if they've been treated like that and they probably have um you know in other scenarios it just feels wrong so hopefully you know about this before hopefully it's not like an in the moment like you know you you get out it's a grand old flag and all of a sudden the kid is like hey i can't do this one um in that situation it might look a little bit different right yeah um so those are my thoughts you carrie yeah, no, same. I, the only other thing I would add to that is, honestly, I just don't do holiday music very often at all. Um, you know, patriotic music is kind of a different thing. Um, yeah, and so Jehovah's Witness students specifically not being able to sing patriotic music, that might be woven throughout the year for a variety of reasons. But I'm t- thinking specifically about Halloween, Christmas, you know, I just don't do a lot of you know, well, religious, but like holiday music as much as I used to. I used to back in the day do tons of, you know, holiday music all throughout December and do tons of Halloween music all throughout October. And really now it's like maybe a couple of songs woven in five minutes throughout my lessons and then maybe like one day where like we do a lot of holiday music. Um, And that is just, you know, really thinking again about priorities like why am I doing so much holiday music now it's hard for me personally Halloween especially because I love it um but I've really tried to focus more on like seasonal music so winter music fall music spring music rather than specific holidays um oftentimes I'm pulling in holiday themed things in like not as explicit ways so like using manipulatives so like if we're doing a melodic dictation activity i have pumpkins i have bats but then i also have apples so if i have students who i know don't celebrate halloween i offer them the apples and they're still doing the exact same activity because i'm not necessarily doing halloween songs but we're using holiday themed manipulatives just for fun right so the kids who do celebrate halloween are all jazzed about it and the kids who don't well they're just using apples and it's really not that big of a thing. Same with stations. You mentioned stations earlier. I have tons of different, you know, pumpkin shaped things. And it's like, yeah, pumpkins are commonly associated with Halloween, but they're really just also a fall seasonal 
vegetable, right? So as long as they don't have jack-o'-lantern faces on them, you know, and I talk to the students about it, like, are you comfortable for doing this activity with pumpkins? And they're usually like, yeah, that's totally fine. Um, So yeah, all that to say, I just wanted to just, you know, make a mention that I just do a lot less holiday music than I used to. But on the times that I do, same thing. Um, If it is going to be like a full lesson and it's fully themed to whatever, Halloween, let's say, because that's coming up, um, sometimes I actually ask the student if they would prefer a bonus PE day. And my PE teacher is very cool about allowing that student just that one day to go and be a part of PE with that other class because it's usually not a big deal for them just to join in the game and have fun and then they're not sitting in the classroom doing something different which might make them feel singled out you know it depends on the kids some kids it doesn't seem to affect them at all some kids they're more self-aware of it so like you said talking to the kid ahead of time and asking them what they're comfortable with as far as do you want to do this project in the music room on your Chromebook with headphones on or would you rather go and do a bonus PE day so you're not in the room. And so sure. they kind of get that autonomy to choose. Yes. You know, I, you, as you were talking about not doing as much holiday music, I also, you know, don't do as much holiday music as I used to. However, I have woven in um, musics of other cultures that are tied to specific holidays within the culture and it's very challenging with many cultures to separate out the holiday from any kind of religious calendar i'm thinking about diwali for example Mm -hmm. right which is coming up um i'm thinking about holidays in the jewish calendar like when you bring those things in and you're listening to music that's associated with that, you you have to touch on the cultural significance, sure. which often involves a religious um, overtone from that culture. And I really do want to educate my students about several different cultures, but there's a difference between celebrating with music and learning about yes. the culture and music. Yes. So I think there's a line there that I'm not, always exactly sure you know where it is but i i just wanted to make sure i say that this does not mean we me you anybody should never do any music that highlights a holiday that could be religious well sure because that's often cultural right yeah, yeah. so it, it's um it, it also depends on the area that you're teaching right mm-hmm. so if i was teaching in a high Hispanic area of a, of a lot of kids who are from Mexico and you know the day of the dead is something that I'm not going to just ignore right right so yeah. those kinds of things anyway that's a very interesting question and, and good things to think about and be aware of because yeah you will have families that are gonna not want that happening yeah with the yeah. kid yeah all right, we're all our <laughs> total left turn here. Our next question is from our dear friend Emma, who teaches in our own district. And um, it's just a funny question, and I just wanted to include it because we've all been there. So she said, tips for dealing with sound systems <laughs> and considered to be the, quote, expert at your school, even though you're not a sound engineer. So I'm assuming what Emma's referring to is exactly what I experienced this last week, which was we were having assembly in the gym, and so the librarian was bringing in an author to do an author visit and she said to me the day before hey just a reminder we have this assembly in the gym could we have a microphone and it's like 
you know, I'm the person that is asked and I'm like, yep, sounds great. I'll get that in the morning. No problem. Well, then that morning I turned on the sound system and it was the first time I had this school year and nothing was working <laughs> the mm -hmm. way that I remembered it working last year. And I'm like frantically, I mean, shoulda, woulda, coulda, I should have done it the day before. You know, I just had it in my head. I know how the sound system works now, blah, blah, blah. And I could not get the microphone to talk to the sound system. All that to say, we have this little portable sound system that I last minute brought in. Doesn't sound as good. I was, felt bad because here we had this author visit and, you know, it was a special guest. And I was like, I'm so sorry. This microphone is not great. I don't know what's going on. Anyways, so here's how I'm dealing with it. And then I'll let you share too, Tanya, because you have a different situation too. But I don't want to be <laughs> the sound engineer at my school. I don't want to be the expert. But that's, you know, kind of how it's turned into. I need to reconfigure the sound system. I did. So we have traveling band and orchestra teacher. And the traveling band teacher is really great with sound system stuff. So he came over and fixed the immediate problem, which was that something just wasn't turned on, which is always ah. a really fun, embarrassing problem to have. Yeah. Um, but all that to say, I talked to him about, like, I really want to reconfigure it because it's, like, way up high. I can barely reach it. All the chords are all a big, tangly mess. I hate it. So I'm going to ask him to help me and, you know, buy him some Starbucks, and we're going to reconfigure the whole thing. And then I'm going to train other people in my building. <laughs> like, all right. I'm not going to be the only one. I want my librarian to know how to use it, the PE teacher, just because it does live in the PE office, you know, in the gym. So it kind of makes sense. And then like, I want my principal to know how to use it. Like, I don't want to be the go-to person for all things sound systems. So I think it's just about being um, proactive of like training three or four other people in your building, yeah, you know, totally. who know how to use it. That is an excellent answer. Um, I'm happy to just stick with that. Uh... <laughs> I I have a um, sound system on wheels situation with a mixing board and two mammoth um, clunky speakers that people um, have been using in the building for a long time. I When they do the talent show, there are some moms who are in charge of the talent show and they were also in charge of the sound system and they knew what they were doing and they did it. All I had to do was make sure the sound system was available to them and like I could get it out of the back room, which is, of course, it was buried underneath some of my rolly boxes of stuff that I had brought in. But like beyond that, I was not expected to do anything. Also, I wanted to I want to give a little shout out to my predecessor, Sam. He <laughs> was a music teacher for two years at the school before I was. He wrote out a little cheat sheet that is taped on the inside of a cabinet. I'm pretty sure it was Sam of this is how you do, you know, this knob does this and this knob does this. And, and also there's, I don't know who taped up the mixing board with some little helpful notes on it. Um, all that to say, I have not still worked with the sound system much. I don't care for it because we have a built-in sound system. I know how to do that. And I also have a rolly um, block rocker that I'm a big fan of using. If I go outside, I just roll it with me. Um, I avoid using the mammoth mixer and the mammoth speakers because they are very cumbersome to set up and it's not necessary most of the time. And you're absolutely right. I think you need to like bring in other people and go, hey, I won't be here forever. Let's make sure we make this 
a more common knowledge thing. Yeah. 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 And that was my other tip too, is to have a really easy to set up portable sound system. I mean, oftentimes what people come to me and they, what they want is just a speaker to play music. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. it's fun run. And we just want to play music outside while the kids are running. So those block rocker speakers are perfect for that. Cause they're just yes. a big giant, you know, Bluetooth speaker on wheels that you, as long as you charge it the night before, you don't even need to connect to power. So exactly. But um, turn off your, uh, do not disturb on your phone. To, you know, cause <laughs> that's fun when there's a fun run. And then you get a little like phone call that interrupts the music. That's true. While they're j- jamming out to Katy Perry, and then you get your little <laughs> check your Bluetooth <laughs> settings. Yeah, love it. All right, all right. That may not be a great answer, Emma, but that's the best I got. <laughs> uh, we feel your pain. We've yeah, been we there. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, from my hot topics board from this summer, from my one of my level one students. They asked, how do you balance strong conservative opinions from your community and diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially if you are an untenured teacher? Okay, boy, if you want to have some, I don't know if fun's the word, if you want to just, I don't know, get yourself tied up in knots, go to Facebook, look on some music ed pages. Mm. You won't, it won't take long before you find something, um, some kind of dilemma where a music teacher is talking about how parents are up in arms about something and the principal says just apologize and move on. And I don't, you know, all there's things, right? Yeah. Um, and this is tricky, especially if you are an untenured teacher, yeah. meaning that if you are a teacher who is vulnerable to being let go at the end of the year or even in the middle of the year for not specific cause, um, that can be frightening because yes, uh, I, when I mentored first year teachers in our district, and that's what Carrie does now, I did have this conversation several times with teachers who were saying, I'm really uncomfortable about fill in the blank situation. And I, I think that I'm in the right but I'm nervous and I hate to say this, but my answer would be, well, if you're feeling like this is a, I could be let go of like very soon, then I would say for the short term, appease your administrator and then look for a different position. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that to say, um, if you are coming up against um, parents who are, uh, insistent that you do or that you don't do, or that you do something that you think is not in the best interest of the diversity, equity, or inclusion of other students. Um, and you're not backed up by your administrator. That's, that's the huge thing then maybe you need to look for a different position because it won't be the last time. Um, Sometimes you got to cut your losses. Yeah. Sometimes um, it's a matter of just conversations are important to have. Sometimes they're more important to have in person than over email. Yeah. Um, It depends on the situation. Yes, I do. um, Also at the very beginning of the year, and I've already done this, 
had a conversation with my assistant principal and I said, listen, diversity, equity, inclusion is something that our district values. And he knows this, right? So in our district, we can point to policies where we uphold that. And so I want you to know that we are going to be exploring other cultures through music. And he's like, of course, yeah, of course. And I said, I just want you to understand that sometimes those holidays that are attached to cultures might have some, you know, religious part to them. And of course he understands like, so you might want to front load at the beginning of the year, you know, not to freak out your administrators, but just say, listen, culture, community, diversity, equity. I, we want to make sure all the students in the room, in the school, in the class are heard and can be successful. And most administrators are not there to make anybody's life miserable. Mm-hmm. Most parents, they want to make sure their children's lives are, you know, full of all the wonderful things that school has to offer. So really conversations are key and being honest is key. Being transparent is key. Um, and I know that there are places, there are schools where in their communities where there are school board members who are touting things that need to be in place at their schools like you know we won't study this and we will study this and when we when we look at this history we're going to take out the bad parts and only do the good parts i wouldn't teach in a school like that i couldn't do that right but i mean and i'm saying this being in colorado with a position like I, I love my school. I love my community. I love my state. Um, my political values are very similar to many people in the state of Colorado. I haven't had much pushback when I do talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and our district supports that. So I would say arm yourself with those policies that are happening And if those policies change, maybe, you know, you've got to do some soul searching and figure it out if, and I I can't even think of, I don't want to call out any specific states. I'm sure you could look them up and find out what's happening um, in education. And I think it's very scary and very sad. Um, As far as inclusion, and Carrie, you know this, earlier in this school year, I had a tiny um, run-in as me, the parent, with a teacher who on the onset does not did not look like they were going to be inclusive of my child who identifies as a different gender and you know I was kind but the email I wrote was in this district which is the same district that we that I teach in um, we have policies where inclusion means that you 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 need to call my child by their chosen name and refer to them with the correct pronouns. And if you can't do that, then I need to have a conversation with you um, about getting them into a different class. Right. I, I I wasn't as a parent. I wasn't like I'll have you fired, which is always the worst tactic to place to to, to take. But you know, I did have an email conversation where I said, "Hey, please." please be inclusive of my child. If you can't do that, I need to take them and put them in a different class. Right. Cause this is our district's policy. 
yeah, this is our district policy. policy is huge. And, 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 you know, maybe it was whatever of me, but I linked that policy in the email. Yeah. Just in case you didn't know, check this out in our yeah. district. We, we have these values and we have these protections. And that can be a response as a teacher too. If you have somebody who's coming at you because you're doing, you know, you're highlighting black musicians during February for Black History Month. And they're saying, why are you only highlighting black musicians? You can say in our district, we embrace Black History Month. And so I am highlighting black musicians because of that. And that was going to be something else I was going to say that that might be kind of a safe way. I know we, we talk about this on this podcast, that it's not like you should only learn about black musicians during February. It's not like you should only learn about musicians of Latino or Hispanic background during Hispanic Heritage Month. However, that might be a good safe way to make sure you are, um, you know, I mean, these are nationally recognized heritage months, you know, for lack of a better term. So, you know, that might be a safe way to kind of hit some diverse musics from around the world and and within the United States and say, I'm tying it into these heritage months, which are nationally renowned, you know? Um, And then the other thing I just want to add to everything you said, Tanya, too, is if you can, and if you have one, join your union because- Oh gosh, yes. Your union is going to be a place of support if you do have a run-in with either a parent or an administrator. And as far as helping you know policies and legal things, I'm, I'm a big supporter of unions and a member of ours. So, all right, last topic. We'll end on a slightly lighter one, perhaps. Yes, so let's do that. This is another one that was posted on Tanya's um, Kodai class uh, hot topics board. And it's just kind of a statement and Tanya can interpret it and what it means. Um, training students to choose movements that actually work. So I asked Tanya off mic, what does this mean? And you explained it. <laughs> How? Because it kind of sounds funky. Like I want to move, but it's not working, which (laughs) usually doesn't happen Um, until you're much older. Walk on your feet instead of your elbows. I don't know. I didn't quite understand what this was talking about. So what I think this came out of was a discussion that we had in, in level one, um, this past summer with my students. And we were talking about how challenging it is to get students to move slowly when you ask kids, try it out. It's a fun little experiment. When you ask kids to move, especially young children, even actually all elementary school children, unless they have been trained differently, if you ask them to move slowly, they will not move slowly. They will take smaller um, steps. They will not go as far in space, um, that they won't move slowly. Yeah. They might take like a quick step and wait a long time and then another quick step, but the moving slowly is not, generally in their vocabulary of movement right and so when we talk about movements that actually work you can do things like analogies so let's take the moving slowly thing move as though you are walking through a pool of chocolate pudding yeah and it slows you down you can definitely show video examples of people moving slowly you yourself are the number one model of how to move slowly i used to talk about um do they still do slow motion replays i'm sure they do right um Oh, sure. I mean, when you think about like phone editing, you know, like doing like the slow-mo on a phone, on a cell phone. Right. So you talk about 
yeah, that would be a fun, if you really want to take it there, you could make a little video of your students moving and then put it in slow-mo. And so do you, yeah, you could have your kids be the model Mm -hmm. for what you want them to do. It's like, oh, look at how we're moving slowly. That's because I put it in slow motion. Mimic what the kids on the screen are doing. So you can show examples. You can give analogies. You can model yourself. Um, but really what it comes down to, you got to keep doing it just like with anything. So if you want them to sing in tune, you got to sing every day. If you want them to move in any certain way, you got to do it most class periods. Yeah. Um, if you want some them to really deliberately think about their movement and match it to the music, they need that practice. They need the modeling. They need the, they need all of it. And it comes down to like, what do you value most? Right. So yeah, I get frustrated when I want my kids to move slowly and they all do that thing where they're, you know, just taking tiny steps and I'm moving slowly because I'm not making, you know, I'm not traveling very far. So if you want it to happen, you got to keep doing it. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of like, um, is it really that important if they're not? I mean, like if the whole point is to get them to experience music that is slow, if they're still able to identify that the music is slow and recognize that the music's slow, if they physically are not able to move to music that's slow, I don't think that's detrimental to their music education journey. I just think that shows developmentally that it's hard for them, right? Yes. And I don't think it's detrimental to their music education journey either, but Adele Crozian would have a different opinion. Well, sure. And I mean, I have taken some Adele Croz classes, so this is where I put on that hat and say, you know, what you're play- if you are playing on the piano, what you're playing for them affects how they move so not just the fact that you're playing slow but that there also is like a sustained kind of heaviness to how you're playing on the piano so that they are getting that feeling of moving through putting and that there's like some resist to their motions you know um having them do something with like a stretchy band or like we've seen a lot of del Crows teachers use like pantyhose so they're feeling that like resistance as they're moving slowly they have to feel that weight and that tension when they're moving so that really helps um and then just you know like all things having student models i mean if you've got one kid who's really doing it stop the whole class and say hey everybody watch how susie is moving slowly and then that susie is showing how and then it's like oh let's all try that idea oftentimes that peer-to-peer you know example makes a bigger difference than an adult to peer example yes and if you want ideas on on these things, you should go to YouTube and look up Delcro's teachers. Um, yeah. Fritz Anders in our district is a fantastic Delcro's master teacher, and he has videos on there, and they are worth watching. Um, it's just you can go down a rabbit hole, watch other Delcro's people. Uh, so I think that's what that question was after. Um, if the question was more about uh, choose movement movements that actually work, if it was more about um, more structured movements, maybe dances, and the kids aren't getting it, um, then it's a matter of scaffolding it, scaffolding it, scaffolding it, right? Well, and the fact that they, the question is choose, training students to choose movements that work. I think so about it seems like, like more of a creative movement. Yeah, right? where like we're doing like steady beat movements, but a kid's doing something that doesn't really have a steady beat to it, right? Right. And it's kind of like, 
before I ever ask students to be a leader of a steady beat movement activity, whether it's with their body or on instruments, you know, different ways to play the sticks, different ways to tap a drum, whatever, I have modeled for them in a previous yes. lesson all the different ways that we could play sticks. And exactly. is there still going to be a kid who will just like roll them really quickly and there's no beat to it? Sure. And we do it. But then we move to a different student and, and then I'll say, oh, I noticed that this has a really good beat. <laughs> and it's like calling the student's attention to the one who's like let the kid who's choosing something that doesn't have a beat do their thing don't say oh no 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 we're not going to do that like i wouldn't stop them because that might yeah. kill the joy in the moment but then just call out and notice the students who has a strong beat movement if that's what it is that you and, want. and this is an excellent time for them to like you were saying if you the teacher are modeling things you don't need to use a lot of verbal cues or anything mm -hmm. you just say do what i do and you keep the steady beat in a million different ways mm -hmm. and then generally they choose one of the ways that you have done mm -hmm. right um another thing before you have individual students lead the class i will say okay choose your own and then i pick out a kid oh i saw somebody doing this everyone do this right yep. and that yep. kid knows that i picked them but i'm not saying sarah did this i'm just saying i noticed whatever that's one of you is doing this so yeah if it's a steady beat thing um i also set parameters if i you know you know that if you just do not model and you say choose a steady beat you're going to have some kids who are slapping themselves and hitting them in the head mm -hmm. hitting themselves in the head we always say uh, before it happens i mention make sure you're not hitting yourself make sure you're not hitting the neighbor i mean you have to put those things into but always follow it up with more examples of what to do than what not to do yeah totally all right well that wraps up today's hot topics some are hotter than others, but um, thanks to everyone who <laughs> asked us questions. And wow. again, if you want to ask us more questions live and in person, you can do that with uh, Conk, Kodai Educators in North Carolina, because that's exactly what we're going to be doing. It's like kind of a Q&A session. So yes. um, another plug for that. If you just have questions, you want to put us on the spot right then and there, come on in. The Zoom. And you can also email anything to music teacher coffee talk podcast, Gmail. Is that our Gmail? Music teacher coffee we're, we're talk just at gmail.com. Gmail yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, several um, questions that have been asked via email have turned into complete episodes. Totally. totally. So, so we if we don't that. answer you via email, we could answer you via podcast. It's time for our Know Better, Do Better section. And Carrie, tell us something we need to know and do. Well, it's something that I'm doing differently and I'm not going to say anyone has to. It's just something to think about. So it's about a song that I've chosen to let go for now. And I haven't done a lot of research on this, which I know breaks the cardinal rule that we always have is do your research and make a decision. But this is based on truly a gut feeling I have. So the song, My Aunt Came Back, the Echo song, with the motions that go with it, I have stopped doing because I truly think that it is making a joke out of um, differently abled people. Um, specifically the motions. So there's a motion where you talk about the ant going to Japan, and so you do a waving fan motion. And then the next verse is 
going to old Algiers and then you do a scissor motion. And both of those motions, flapping and like hand motions, are commonly associated with people who have autism um, and other types of mental ability differences. So all that to say, and then it, the whole song ends up with, my aunt came back from the city zoo and she brought with her a nut like you. And then you point out to the kids, oh, you're a nut right now because you're doing all these motions. Oh. And calling See, someone a nut. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to be talking, well, I thought you were going to talk about stereotypes connected to specific countries. Well, there but, is that too, but I honestly have, okay, and, and I, it really yeah. truly was an aha moment where I was doing this song and I always did it like it's just a fun echo song with movement with younger students, kindergartners, and I'm watching them do the movement and I'm thinking in my head, this looks like a, a parent making fun of someone. Of neuro, is, someone newer, neurodivergent. Exactly. Is using and the strategies to stem yes yeah the flapping motion specifically to me and the rocking so it's like you know talks about the rocking chair so you're rocking back and forth yes. so i know you know this is a very commonly used song in music education circles there's a picture book that many of us have that goes with this song all that to say i've just decided i'm gonna let it go because something doesn't feel right about it with me specifically doing those motions calling people a nut it just didn't feel right to me anymore. So I stopped doing it. So all that to say, if the purpose was fun echo songs, there are so many fun echo songs yeah. out there. So I'll it's link to a resource that. that many people know about. It is uh, John Fire Robin's book, The Book of Echo Songs. Now Which my I aunt think came has back, is in, yeah. it's in that book. So again, this is an example of, there are very few resources that I own that I would ever say, every single song in this book is 100% wonderful and perfect and I'm gonna do. No, but that is a book that I can go to to look for more resources and more songs that I am okay with doing. So just a song I've decided to say goodbye to for now and bringing in other songs. Just this week I've been doing with my students the, the green grass grows all around and around out in the woods. There was a tree, you know, that song yeah. with them. Really great uh -huh. for fall time of year talking about trees and branches and leaves and things like that. So anyways, there's so many other songs out there. So, you know. It's just a reminder to not be too attached to one song, especially when you are presented with a different thought about it that makes you go, huh, yeah, that doesn't feel right anymore. So that's the decision I've made for now. Okay. So now it's time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip from Tanya. Okay, this is an anti-tech tip. Yay. Um, which is funny. Uh, but, you know, I talked earlier about how my fourth graders tea ticketing um, and their inability to decode an alien miracles, wonderful unlock the door product. Um, anyway, I was looking for some other ones that have a recording played and the kids have to pick, is it this rhythm or this rhythm? I have a few on teachers pay teachers and actually those products they're all powerpoints is the thing but those powerpoints where the sound is the pattern is played and then the kids had to have to pick is it this one or that one i am really proud of those products that i have in my teacher pay teacher store because i think they're really well scaffolded where well i have for example a ticka ticka um pattern 
interactive game where there's this pumpkin or this pumpkin and it's either this pattern or this pattern and um first it's played on a tone block and then you know the next question has two choices again and it's played um the next time on a pitched instrument and then you know the it goes through to where then it's played on a recorder, which is much more challenging to decode a rhythm when the melody changes than if you're just listening to a woodblock. All that to say, I was looking for other interactive things that was not my stuff for T-Ticka. And I was just kind of browsing through Teach Pay Teachers. And then I thought, this is kind of futile. And I don't really want to throw four or five bucks at this right now here's what i'm gonna do and i know i've done this before i'm sure you've done this before but sometimes the low-tech way is the best way here's what happened kids came in i had flashcards i said hey robert you take this flash card carla you take this flash card stand up here i'm gonna play one which one did i play you know d god you know whatever and the kids had to point to Carla or Robert. So all that to say, I was scratching my head about like an interactive thing to do, but it was actually much more fun to have kids hold the rhythm cards um, and to do it a very low tech way. And then the next thing would be a student plays the rhythm and we have to guess, did they play this kids or this and you get more students involved this way and maybe you get more buy-in um it just kind of illuminated this idea of we've done a lot of tech we are we've gotten used to doing a lot of tech and now doing things not techie is sometimes a novelty that is engaging very true good tip And it's time for our CODA section where we get to talk about something that we are having just a great time um, listening to, reading, seeing, anything. We have lives beyond being teachers, um, but it could be something inside the classroom, but I know yours is not, Carrie. What fantastic thing are you going to recommend? Be, I suppose. Um, it could be. I love the musician Rhiannon Giddens. I've talked about her many a times on this podcast. And she has a new album that is out called You're the One. And um, I finally listened to it all the way through just yesterday, actually. Um, but then I listened through it multiple times because it is so fantastic. And last night we went to your house, Tanya. My husband and yeah. I went to Tanya's house for dinner and good times and on the way home my husband and i were listening to this album and he's like this is the wackiest album and it's really just because Rhiannon giddens is such an amazing musician in multiple genres she has a song that's like got a very old-timey like slow jazz vibe to it then mm. she's got things that are more you know bluegrass in style things that are more bluesy in style and just like more country in style just like all of it she's just so she's so diverse in her musical genre um bending and i just appreciate that about her so much but she's an incredible musician plays multiple instruments sings beautifully Rhiannon Giddens is just a treasure and this album is really good it's called you're the one and it's out now everywhere albums are out <laughs> so <laughs> there you go streaming services yeah because... i mean i i suppose one could yeah. go 
by, I mean, I actually saw a picture of an album, like an actual record LP album. album. Vinyl. Yeah. I mean, which would be fun, but we're paying for Spotify. So I use Spotify. I know. That's just the, know. the reality of that. But yeah. anyways, what about you, Tanya? What are you enjoying? I'm going to talk about music also. Yay. Yay. Um, so I have mentioned the band Sylvan Esso before, and me and my husband went and saw them a week ago and we were at Red Rocks and um, I've got, I'm sure I think I've mentioned, we've got a new strategy for Red Rocks where if it's on a school night, I look up the set list and I just steal myself and understand that whatever the encore is, because you know, you can see what they've played. Now, do they, play exactly the same set list every single city most musicians not exactly the same it's usually pretty similar and the encore is usually the same so um i just had to get my head around because it'll it'll give you an extra hour at red rocks if you leave right before the encore which is heartbreaking but if you leave before the encore you know we got home at 11 30 instead of 12 30 is really how it's been going so yeah. i just had to understand before going in i am leaving before the encore is that your work smarter not harder teacher tip <laughs> that's my work smarter not harder concert teacher tip on a if school you, night now if it wasn't a school night you'd be all okay if i were single and not single but if i were without children and um could do such things felt okay doing such things and and you know i could see doing this i would uh just not go to school the next day yeah really I would plan a personal day. I'd be like, I'm going to Red Rocks. I'm going to see the show. I'm going to live my best life and I'm going to sleep in. But my, I have a child who goes to high school and I just don't feel, I feel that that's not the best modeling to do right now. Um, hey kid, I'm going to Red Rocks. See ya. Uh, here's a frozen Fine, pizza. Also, I'm not going to school the next day. So no, I've not done that. I've had some, you know, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's my work smarter, not harder. Sylvan Esso, great band, but I specifically want to mention a song that is a cover that Sylvan Esso has done. Um, and I want to mention this because as we were walking down the, the stairs, down the slope of Red Rocks, um, I started to hear this song. I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. They're not supposed to be playing this song. Oh, that's no. not what I read. And I was actually super bummed that I did not get to hear them perform this song called Funeral Singers, which is a cover. Um, and it is unlike the rest of it, it sounds different than the rest of their stuff because they're very electronic, but this is a song with like acoustic guitar and it's very autumn vibe to me. And it's very stream of conscious lyrics. So I'm going to specifically talk about, or just recommend this song called Funeral Singers that I did not get to hear in concert because I was doing my whole depart early thing at Red Rocks. Um, so then I went home and I've been listening to the song on repeat um, and other people have done covers of it. Third Eye Blind did a cover of it, which is very strange, but whatever. Um, Who's the original artist that did it? I knew you were going to ask that because well, I've never you heard can't of say them. a cover and say who it's to cover up. Okay, fine. I will tell you that. Um, the original, oh man, see, I'm oh, not really I put you scary. on the spot. I'm sorry. You put me on the spot. No, I've got it. I've got it. The original song is by 
um, Caliphone. Okay. I know. Caliphone. Who knew? Um, yeah. I don't know this artist, but uh, yeah, this, and I've heard the original now and I've heard every cover I can find because, because uh, I miss it in concert. Also, uh -huh. Sylvanesso has done another song, which I was thinking about called Everything is Free. Um which was uh, all about how musicians can't make money um, on albums. You have to tour because everything yeah. is free now. That's what they say. Someone figured it out. And now if you're a musician, you got a tour. That's the only way you're going to make money. Everything is free. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. So anyway. All right. There you go. Still Long enough. story for that one song. There you go. Yeah. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.